0: Welcome to Women in Venture Capital. I'm Rushvina, Chief of Staff at General Catalyst, with prior experience in finance and early stage VC.
1: And I'm Anvita, Senior Product Manager at UiPath with experiences across tech startups and venture capital. Our mission at Women in Venture Capital is simple, increase the representation of women in the VC industry through awareness and engagement.
0: So join us as we engage with women establishing their presence in the industry. Our guest today is Risa Stack. Risa is a partner at the Production Board, a cross-stage fund investing in tech companies across life sciences, food and agriculture, and energy. She leads TPB's life sciences initiatives, incubating, investing, and partnering with founders in healthcare. Risa started her career on the trading floor of the Chicago Board of Trade while pursuing her PhD in immunology at the University of Chicago. She soon discovered a love for the startup world, joining JPMorgan Partners and Kleiner Perkins as an investor and founding global diagnostics company, Verisite. Most recently, Risa co-founded electronic switch maker Menlo Micro, where she remains an advisor. Thank you so much for joining us, Risa. It's such a pleasure to have you on.
2: Yeah, nice, nice to meet both of you. This is, I've really been looking forward to uh, to talking with you.
0: Amazing. So I'll jump right in. Like I mentioned in my intro, you spent years in finance before pivoting to startup and VC investing and have gone back and forth since. Take us back to the realization that building companies and investing in startups was the next move for you.
2: So I would say my the idea of starting companies or that came when when I was as you mentioned um I had a an eclectic start to the uh my career. I I was a futures trader at the Board of Trade while I um was uh was working on my PhD, which are two very different careers. And I love science and I love taking risk. I love trading, and I was trying to out a career that could combine both of those. And and one day when I was on the trading floor when it was slow because we used to keep books and stuff in our drawers and and um and i had i was reading a book called the billion dollar molecule which is about the founding of vertex and i read that book and it, and they made starting a company so exciting the idea of starting a company was such an exciting and fun idea um that i thought wow this is really would be really interesting this is a career where i could take risk and i could also um really further my love of science i just love learning and, and i really love learning about science and so I thought, wow, this would be a really interesting, you know, it's an interesting environment to start companies. And in that book, there were, there were these people called venture capitalists. And I was like, what did they do? And so, um, of course, you know, at the time we didn't really have the internet. So I went to the business school and I looked at what venture capitalists did. And I was like, wow, they seriously start companies. Seems like a really great idea. They get to learn a lot. They get to learn a lot of science, meet with amazing people. And, um, that actually led for me to apply to the Kaufman fellowship. Um, and, um, I applied to the Kauffman Fellowship and got that, but and interestingly enough, matched with a firm in New York City, which is a private equity firm. And so I learned how to do venture in, in uh, in a private equity context. So a lot of deal structuring. I tell people that's where I got my MBA. I never went to business school, but if you go right from your PhD into a private equity firm, um, you learn a lot about how to do deals. And I took like corporate uh, finance and financial accounting at night because I had to learn the basics. Um, And so I really learned and loved doing transactions, but I realized that I missed the science. I was my job was so transactional that I didn't get to spend a lot of time on the science. So that led me to go to Kleiner Perkins, where um, you really build businesses. And working with Brooke Byers was amazing. Um, he he truly taught me how to build companies. And as a rite of passage at Kleiner, we built companies. And so I built a number of life sciences business when I was at Kleiner, and really found like it was, I think it's what I found was the perfect job for me in the sense that I get to learn new science every day, but I also get to take risk and do transactions. So company starting was the right spot for me doing late stage transactions. I literally felt like I was like checking someone else's work. I really wanted to be there, like taking the science and making it a business. And so that's kind of where I gravitated toward the startup world and and really have been in it ever since.
1: That's amazing. I think one thing we love about bringing guests to our show is to have varied backgrounds and not like a very typical path. I think you're one of uh, those who stand out in terms of having a very unique path into the VC world. Um, and you spoke a little bit about how your PhD transitioned into the world of finance, um, but then you also started talking about having built businesses even as an investor. I mm-hmm. uh, would love to hear a little bit more about that. You've done not just one, but you've founded multiple companies. You're almost a repeat founder in some sense. And we keep saying that operators make really good investors. You're not just an operator, you're a repeat operator, and you've had multiple experiences uh, building and scaling businesses. Curious to hear how has being a repeat founder shaped your investment style?
2: Yeah, I think that's a a really great question. I think for me, so I I learned how to start companies at Kleiner Perkins. So I learned from people who have had great experience starting companies and and really learned a lot about the nuances of starting companies. But I think one of the main things I think about when I'm building any business is the first thing I think about, and this is what I don't think a lot of investors think about, is like, would I, if I were sitting on the other side of the table, would I ask me to do that? Right. And I, and, and actually, and, and, and one of the things, the compliments that I have gotten from CEOs that I work with when I'm more on the kind of the investor side of the table, but helping them start the company is you you never ask me to do something that you wouldn't do. And I think that's really important when you're when you're sitting on kind of when you're helping start a company, maybe you're helping a CEO start a company, is you always gotta put yourself in their shoes. And I think a lot of the industry has evolved. There's um such that it's evolved the venture capital industry used to be a lot of people who were operators going, um, going to help going into helping other younger operators build their businesses, obviously investing capital is part of that. But I think that the industry has grown such that it's its own separate industry. And there's a lot of people who have not had the experience of, of starting a company. So I one never asked someone to do something that I wouldn't do. And then two, I really have a great appreciation for, um, the for people's experience and the fact that they have had a number of different experiences i.e i like to back people who have who are serial founders or have been in a lot of start companies because you learn so much along the way of building a business so that when you go to do it again you um you make less mistakes you actually have, often have more confidence in yourself you have more tenacity Um, I'm working on a company right now with, uh, a woman that, um, I built a business before and I'm helping her build her second business. And as she says, I'm asking for a lot more in this one because I was successful in my first one. And that's, and, and so I think it's with people, what you really appreciate having been on the other side of the table is you know, the tenacity it takes to be a founder, right? Like you have to believe you're right when a lot of people are telling you wrong, you're wrong, which is, is I think really, really hard. And I think maybe more so, for example, for women than men. And, and you really, um and I really, again, appreciate kind of people's level of experience because, you know, starting companies all about making mistakes and, and, and luck and making fewer mistakes than other folks. And then, and, and luck and timing is important. So.
0: That's really nice to hear. Um, I think empathy is is a word that's come up a few times. Um, yeah. Honestly, every time we've had an operator turned investor on the show, um, yeah. you just have you know a second line of thought that is like you said. Would I ask myself to do something like this? So well, um, how
2: would I react if someone yep. said that to me? Yep, that's you true. You got to think about how would you react, and a lot of times when I think about that. And another thing that I've learned is um, if you're if you're in a challenging situation, give yourself a little time because how you might communicate something to someone initially might not be the best way for you to um, to have the outcome that you all want, because you might put that person, for example. You might not communicate with empathy. You might be angry, but if you think about it, you should communicate with empathy because you have to think about what it was like when you were in that position. right? so it's so I think that's a, a really important component is taking a little bit of time and thinking about how we all need to get to this conclusion, but how do I how's the best way for me to communicate so we all align to get there? And that's again, start back to putting myself in someone else's shoes because I've been there.
0: Absolutely. Um, And I'm going to change um, the topic a little bit here because I want to learn more about the production board. Um, So tell us more about the fund and also what are some of the innovations within life sciences that really excite you as an investor? You've already talked about how much you love learning and life sciences. So I'm really curious to hear what trends or themes are exciting you.
2: Yeah. So so the production board. we do everything from starting companies to backing, doing backing founders at either the, the pre-seed, the seed, or even the Series A stage, but we mostly work with earlier stage companies. Um, a lot of our preference is to back great founders. Um, sometimes, though, if you can't find the great founder, you you can start, start the business yourself. And so what we'll, we will do that, obviously, that takes a lot more um, time and effort and work. Um, but but that's the the stages that we we participate in. I think in terms of um, things that are really uh, interesting to me is right now. I think I really, well one thing I really like from a therapeutics perspective is um, platform technologies, and I think because there's a lot of innovation. For example, if you think about gene editing, there's a lot of innovation going on in that world. There are now a number of public gene editing companies, there's new gene editing tools literally being um, developed uh, on a daily basis. And so there's a whole next wave, for example of gene editing. So I love new platforms. Gene editing is wonderful. um you know it, it and and we're we're heading down that direction. but I think there's other platforms that are uh, a little bit closer. um I'm in an uh, I helped a, a, a founder this is his um third company uh start uh, start a new company called Dextera Therapeutics that, And what we're doing there is um, we make what's called D proteins. All proteins in this world are L or left-handed. So every enzyme in your body is designed to, um, to kind of digest or take apart a left-handed protein, which leads to, if you give protein therapeutics, they're degraded pretty quickly. But D-proteins are a form of protein the body has never seen before. So they have longer half-life. And you can think of even potentially giving them orally where you can't do that today. Because if you, like like any food or any protein you digest, you put in your stomach and it's broken down. So this is a, a really cool platform and it's a new way of thinking about therapeutics. That's one one um, company I'm working on, um, again, the founder there, Greg Went. this is his um, third company. So and I've known him for 20 years. So I really like working with people that that I've worked with previously. And then I'm working with another founder building out a women's health business. I think there's a real opportunity in women's health right now. I think um, it's, it's pretty, you know, I think there's a, some funds focused on it. But I think it's really now time for us to think about what we can do in terms of therapeutics um, and diagnostics to help women. Um, if you think about it, um, you know, we've had a test for PSA or for PSA, which is for men's prostate cancer for a long time, but we don't really have great tests for endometrial cancer or ovarian cancer. So we got to kind of get on this. So I, I think, uh, so I think this, that's an area that's really interesting to me too. And, and thinking about diagnostic tests that really could help, um, improve women's, uh, women's health. We have breast cancer tests, but I think we could expand to other cancers that affect women. So
1: That's indeed exciting. And I think it it is evident from your experiences that you bring a whole lot of value as a life science expert yourself to be um, leading charge on the investment side as well. So it's really cool to see about on what you're doing with uh, the production board. So really excited for you about uh, that. Um, Switching gears one more time, um, we would love to hear your experience uh, that has been with gender dynamics in both the VC ecosystem and life sciences uh, space as well. And while we see there's improvement on, on this front there, these are both areas where notably we've seen them behind in gender representation. So curious to hear your experiences.
2: I think, you know, I I, I have. um, So I would say uh, for me, I'm very much shaped by um, literally growing up on the trading floor. And and what was not, you know, while I worked on the trading floor, I worked on my PhD. I started working at a trading floor when I was 16 years old. And a trading floor um, is, is they have pits. People yell and scream at each other. That's what you do on a regular race. That's your form of communication. It's like, I need this, do this, et cetera. And so it's a very transactional. Um, and, um, it's generally a pretty aggressive environment in terms of people. Like you don't, if you don't open your mouth, nothing's going to (laughs) happen. So, um, so I think I'm very shaped about, um, you know, growing up in an environment where it was basically you're surrounded by men there were very few women but the few women that were on the trading floor were really very well respected because at the end of the day it was all about executing the trade and making money and making money is a great equalizer um and so i i kind of came through that environment i also um was a competitive athlete i walked on a division 1 track team so i think that to say my personality is very competitive and aggressive person and so um so doing deals is a is a very competitive environment Um, And I would say kind of going up through and I came up through private equity, which is, I think, even more male dominated than venture. Um, And so I actually um, I actually was I was often I think at the time I was at my firm, the highest level woman we had was an associate and I was one of the two. (laughs) So um, but I think for me, the the, you know, being an aggressive, competitive person, being in this environment is very much um I'm very my, much my comfort zone. I this is what I like. I think I would say the challenge for a lot of women in these environments is that um being an aggressive and competitive person, um you can't do that the same way as a man would. Meaning you can't act like a man. <laughs> and that and and so you have to kind of find your own way through. And most of my Um, And I have a a whole network of women who come up through private equity um, and who are now partners and and like places like Goldman Sachs and stuff. And it's just like, at the end of the day, um, you know, you just you you have to you compete on the same playing field, but even though you're you're viewed slightly differently. Um, And I think for me, one of the harder things of being in private equity and venture was that on the trading floor, I was always viewed like anyone else. I had a really big book of business. And it was all about like, hey, you know, if I make money, money was the great equalizer. And then when I got into the world where there was more nuance to relationships and doing deals, then then that got a little bit more more challenging. I think it's getting a lot better for women though, right now. Um, particularly on the on the deal side, it's getting because there's just more of us, there's a bigger network of women and we we help each other. So so it's so I so I would say I think. Um, I would say that the deal environment's not for everybody, but like, if you want to get out there and you want to compete, and I think someone on your podcast said, get close to the money, follow the money. That's what you got to do in this business. So
0: just be really good at your job. <laughs>
2: yeah. I mean, it just, but, but don't let yourself be pushed into, um, be pushed into an operating role or be pushed mm-hmm. into a role in the fund. Because you, know, you see a lot of women, and I think you've mentioned this on your podcast before, in venture funds, but aren't the deal partners. And and so don't if you want to be the deal partner, be the deal partner. Don't let yourself be pushed into a COO or a CFO role. You know, and that means be close to the money, meaning, you know, do the transactions. Do do what you want to do. Um and I think that's super important. Um uh is is, you know, if you're if you're a transaction deal person like I am, you know, just do them. <laughs> so
0: that's really interesting. Um, I used to, when I look at team pages, um, I used to look at, okay, so if you see a few women on there, but I also started looking at the roles, the, yeah. the type of roles they recruit for. And it's a combination of firms, just hiring women for certain roles. Right. Plus women also just, it's really interesting because if you're good at two things, let's say you're good at IR and you're really good at doing deals, you might find yourself in a position where, you know, you want to be close to the money, but you know, they're like, Oh, you're really good at IR. You should take that role. So, you know, it's like, you're almost too good at both. So you just get into this problem. Um, And I've actually had interviews where they were like, you know, like, would you be interested in considering this path as well? And I'm like, I'm not really interviewing for that, but.
2: um, (laughs) Yeah. Say no. I mean, say no, because it's, it's do what you're going to do. I think, um, and again, it's uh, doing deals is complicated, negotiations, et cetera. And, and I think sometimes men aren't comfortable negotiating against women, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, um, it's interesting. And I would say one of my mantras to people and and, I, and is that I never think of myself as a woman in negotiation deal ever. I never think of myself as a woman. I am just a person at the table. And and that you mentioned I'm still an advisor to the semiconductor company that I helped start. And a funny story was we were taking, those early days of the company, we were taking pictures for the company website and the photographer goes, oh, finally a woman. And I realized that I was the only woman, I was on the board and I was the only woman. They didn't at the time yet have a woman in the company or a woman on the board. Since then, there is a woman on the board and there's lots of women in the company. It's grown, but it. The, my point is it never occurred to me. I don't even notice. And so you you just have to not notice, you, you, who whether you you know who's in the room in terms of their gender or their ethnicity, like whoever you're negotiating, you're negotiating with, right? So,
0: absolutely. Um, and this has been such a great conversation. I really appreciate you for being so candid with all of our questions. And my mm-hmm. last question for you is really what we love to ask our guests. Um, because the goal of the podcast is to really help a lot of aspiring investors, a lot of women who are thinking about getting into the industry. So what advice do you have for these aspiring female investors, um, especially those who might be thinking about making an industry switch like you did? Yeah, I think,
2: you know, it's, um, you know, it's keep ne- number one network, 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 network. And, and I think a lot of women don't, aren't as naturally comfortable as networking, but get there out there and network. And it might take you two or three tries to get to that person that you want to talk to, but keep trying. And what I always say is the answer is no, unless you try. The answer might still be no, if that person won't take a meeting, but it's no, if you don't try. And so really get out there and network with people in the industry. And it's going to take a while. It's going to take a lot of time. But at the end of the day, that's how you're going to build your network. And you will get to people Who are more senior in the industry. And lo and behold, in six months or a year, they may be hiring and they may call you. And so it's really spending more time networking. Um, I think that's really critical. And then also finding these women's groups. Um, I belong to various different groups, they're mostly informal groups, but there's a woman, for example, a group of women. In the Bay Area, woman, we're all in biotech, and some of us are investors, and some of us are operators. But it's kind of informal, and get together a couple times a year. Somebody, you know, somebody puts it together, um. And so find those opportunities that let someone, you know, most times people let the new person into the group because they're always trying to build that. So, so it's really building your network, and and um and also don't give up. I mean, don't. If you were talking about. People say, "Oh, well, maybe you'd be great for an IR role, et cetera. Like, no. If you want to be an investor, be an investor. Like, just and don't let people kind of put, try and put you in roles that it's not where you want to go. And by the way, it's going to be hard. You're going to have to bang your head a lot. And but you've got to just keep trying and keep, you know, you've got to keep competing. You've got to compete for that role. And so, so just compete and go for it. But it's networking, as I think, the most really the most important. Because you'll get to people who are in, in are in the industry who are other women, and other women will help pull you up. So,
0: Risa, this has been such a great conversation. Again, thank you so much for joining us on our first recording for season three. We really appreciate you being here. I I really
2: enjoyed the opportunity, and um, uh, it was it was great and uh, great to meet both of you.